ye must be born again. Amen? All right. Jesus told this to Nicodemus. Peter preached it on the day of Pentecost. Paul continued to preach and practice it. When Peter got up and preached that on the day of Pentecost, his, his voice thundered above the crowd with clear instruction. Acts 2, 38 and 39. Does anybody know that passage of Scripture? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That, that wasn't just for them. That promise is actually unto you, to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. This bold proclamation shook those who were gathered, and they experienced a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You read about 3,000 people come in, 5,000 people coming in, and, and it just spread all through the book of Acts. You read about it in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 19, and it just continues to spread, this, this great outpouring that was first uh, experienced in Acts 2. And so the question now is a pressing question, one filled with urgency. How can we reach a world that needs Jesus? He did not fill us with his spirit just to guide us. That's certainly one of the reasons. He did not fill us with his spirit just to get us to heaven. That is certainly one of the reasons. But he said, the first mention of his spirit, he says, I'm giving you power to be a witness. And so how do we go beyond the four walls of this church because church is not a, an edifice, a structure? We are the church. How can we make an impact on college campuses? We have two high schools in the city of Liberty. How can we make an impact in our high schools? How can we make an impact in a college that is right up the road from us at William Jewell? We have to ask ourselves, what can we do? We must not ignore the reality of the day and hour in which we live, and that is God is coming back soon. If you don't believe that, look around, read Scripture, read the Word, read the news, and you will hear, and you will see God is coming back soon. People need Jesus, and we have tools to take our message, not our message, but the message that we so dearly love and believe in, and reach millions and millions of homes. I will, it'll, you know, it'll take creativity. I, I, I can't stand here tonight going, oh, I have all the answers. So here's what I'm going to do. Do this, this, this. All right, this row, you guys do this. This row, do this. That row, do that. We're going to go reach the whole entire world. Hey, I, all I have is ideas too. That's it. But certainly with the bright and intelligent generation that we have of website developers, app builders, communication, sales professionals, business minds, certainly we can find creative and innovative ways to reach our world. And so tonight, we look at the second session. If you missed last week, I do suggest going back to watch it if you missed that. But tonight, we look at week two of Sowing Seed 
with technology. Jesus, again, I know we just prayed about the pastors who plant seminar, but God, we come before you for this message, Lord. Let your word just come to life. Let, Lord God, any distractions from our minds and hearts be set aside as we just tune into your word, God, and the things that you want to just talk to us and speak and, and look, put in our hearts and in our minds, God. Let our hearts be open to your challenge, to your calling, to Lord Jesus, to the burden of the ministry that you're calling us to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. You know, one thing that COVID definitely taught us, people are sick of hearing COVID in the pulpit, is our world is consumed with digital resources and social media platforms. So how do we capitalize on this? How can we sow seed with technology? Well, one author recently shared the following information in an article. He said, the digital age is upon us. In the span of less than three decades, we have redefined the ways humans communicate, entertain, inform, research, create, and connect. And what we know is only a hint of what is to come. The greatest concern is not a technological imperative, but a gospel imperative. Another article shares the following information. Social media's infiltration into the lives of internet users has been on the rise. Take a look with me. The latest figures show that there are expected to be 4.59 billion social media users worldwide in this year. 4.59 billion social media users. This is almost 8% increase from a year ago. 1.9 billion more than the number of social media users in 2017. That is a whopping 68% rise in five years. Whether we like it or not, the digital world is now a fundamental factor in our lives. If we ignore it, we will miss a wide open door to effectively communicate the gospel. Five years ago, if a church had live stream, that church was cutting edge. And then COVID hit. And I had people calling me from different parts of the country. Hey, you guys got a solid live stream. What did you use? What was the package? I got to order it by this weekend. I'm like, good luck. Good luck. We're still trying to figure out our live stream at times, and it's been how long? <laughs> because technology, it's, you know, you will change one level, one thing goes out, one cord gets pulled, and it's a mess. Thank God for the technology team. And so now, if you don't have technology, you're, if you're not a live stream, you're severely behind. Our goal, though, is not to be cutting edge. We're not like, well, we just want to be a cutting edge church. Our goal is to go, how can we effectively communicate the Great Commission? How can we step into the Great Commission and effectively communicate the gospel to our world? The first author I reference, he continues by saying, there are now 5.9 billion cellul cellular subscribers. That means that 87% of the world's population now has a cell phone. I remember when my dad was still alive, we, Jackie and I had just got married, and we made the decision to let him know 
that we are no longer going to have. We, we jumped from a home phone with like AT&T to Magic Jack. Anybody remember Magic Jack? Yes, got three Magic Jack users. All right. We were just cooler than the rest of them. They didn't know. So Magic Jack used your internet like as a phone line and way cheaper. And so we used Magic Jack. And then we were like, we're, we're not ever using our home line. So we are going to ditch the home line and we're just going to have cell phones. My dad was like, Gary, what if there's an emergency? There's no way. You cannot live with just a cell phone. So much, in fact, that I was nervous. Like, maybe I... Maybe we're messing up here. Maybe, maybe God's trying to speak to me through my dad. I don't know. But I'm like, I think we're going to give it a shot. I think, I think, I think we're going to do it. And here we are, you know, 15 years later, we're still doing all right. Haven't gone back to a, a home phone. And so how many of you still have a home phone, a home line? Anybody? Got one, two, got a couple, three. All right. So some people still do it. So it's not a knock on you. But for me, I was like, all right, we're jumping out of that. And so, you know, 87% of the world now has a cell phone. And in a large percentage, hopefully it's apostolic, but the world turns to Google before even thinking of reaching for a dictionary or an encyclopedia. You know, I saw, I was almost tempted this past week. I, I, I sometimes I'll just look on Marketplace if I have a second. And I saw that there was this pastor, a seminary pastor, selling his library. $12,000 of books for $2,000. And I zoomed in, and I recognized some of the books and authors and series. They are great. Like, it's not old, ancient. Like, it's good stuff. For a minute, I was like, man. And then I thought, I have a Logos Bible program, and it's probably way cheaper than paperback. And if I buy all those books, I don't even have an office right now. Where am I putting those books? And I could have those books digitally on my Bible program. And when I like stuff, I can copy and paste it right in. It will message, say, hey, I loved this. I read this. And so my thought of the, the paperback book, it was there and gone pretty fast. Because technology, you know, so most Americans younger than 30 cannot imagine a time where you had to go to a brick and mortar building for information. Like, they don't know, these guys don't know that Google was not the only search engine. You had Ask Jeeves, AltaVista, Yahoo, Google. Google was just the one that, this was just the giant that won. Now you don't even say, I'm going to search the internet. I'm going to Google it. Like, literally, they've made the, they're their own brand. They are the internet. It's amazing. They've done a good job as far as good job goes. And so I remember, though, going to University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and even Marquette. I went to Marquette for one year. And they said, okay, here's your papers, blah, blah. You need 12, 22 resources, whatever. It felt like a million and, you know, you'd go to college and write a paper, and you'd be like, hey, I'm going to write my paper off these three good books, and I just have to find 14 others that just say one line so I can hit my resource count. And so, and so I'd walk into this massive library. It was just several stories high. And you go to the computer, and you're trying to type. And, like, if you go to a, a web address, and back then, back then, oh, something. 
I just want to quit the message now. <laughs> back then, don't laugh. Some of you are older than me. But back then, you, they would say you can only have, if you had 20 resources, only five can come from the Internet. Because they wanted you, it was a life lesson to know how to use the library. I'm not joking. Anybody else remember this? I don't know if your schools did this. Okay. It was a life lesson. So then you would go to AltaVista, ask Jeeves, you would search all the individual search engines, and you had to use Boolean operators, including, not limited to, and or. I'm like, okay, I don't even have a degree. This is this, I need a degree just to complete this search. So I'd be like, forget it. So I would search, and I'd say, hey, we need a book on this. Oh, yes. What's your name? Gary? You can go to... The, and then you pull up these catalogs of, of library cards, and then you look. Oh, yes, it's on the fourth floor. You look at Road J, and it's like all these little dots that if you accidentally pull a book out and they all kind of move, you're like, I don't even know how to put this back, book back on the shelf correctly. <laughs> Because there's all these letters and dots and numbers and dashes that finally you're just like, I'm going to leave this up here for the librarian. Because if I put it back in the wrong place, they, that's probably more work. This I justified myself, walked away. If you're at a grocery store and don't put the cart back in the cart return, sinner, okay? Um, but that's just a side note. Somebody's feeling conviction right now. Are you the one that leaves the cart in a parking spot? You lazy thing. <laughs> so, so I would do all these different searches, and you would just come to dead. Like, if I, if I tell you my, the worst part of my college experience by far, by far, getting up early, leaving 545, going to a 7 a.m. class, sitting in three-hour classes, uh, having to do speeches, uh, that didn't bother me. Some of you are like, that was deathly afraid. I enjoyed that. I, I can't imagine why. And so, but, but it was when you said, you have to do a research paper that requires 20 sources from the library. Oh, that was the worst part of college. And now these guys got it so easy. They can literally go, hey, Siri. Find me a book on blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh. They don't know, the, they don't know the, the joy, the struggle of having to travel with when your radios broke with two little speakers and you had a Walkman on your lap as you drove and you had to change CDs and try to find the right one and you had to make sure you had the anti-skip Walkman so that when you went over a bump, it didn't go, uh, uh. Man, oh, man. My daughter already says I'm old. Good thing she ain't up here. She'd really say I'm old. Social media. There ain't no social media. I got good at typing by responding to emails between classes while there was a line of people behind you in the student union and running off to class. Didn't have email on your phone. Social media platforms as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, they've changed the, just, just our lives, just by the quantity of information. With people struggling to find relevance, peace, or truth, we should do everything we can to reach them, to have a positive influence on them. 
And so I'm going to pause tonight and just offer a couple, again, all this is suggestions. You continue doing life the way you want to do it. I'm just going to say, here's, here's some suggestions of things that I've either read or try to practice. Definitely not perfect myself. But uh, about interacting on social media, because if billions of people have it, I think it's pretty relevant to cover it tonight. And if a few of you don't have social media, bear with me. It's not the rest of the, the message, just a couple things. Our emotions are easily swayed and distracted. Anyone have emotions? Does anyone have emotions? You dirty liars, raise your hand. We all have emotions. Matter of fact, I could say things in this pulpit right now on purpose that would get you a little bit emotionally charged. I'm not going to do it. Our emotions are easily swayed and distracted. A person might be on the mountaintop of spiritual revelation one day and fall into the valley of negativity the next because someone left an unkind comment on social media. <laughs> We're like, <laughs> but I've done it before. So I ask you an important question, all of us. Do you influence social media or does social media influence you? It almost seems impossible to live without social media because its influence is felt worldwide. Although they can be a snare, not all posts, tweets, and pictures are evil. There are certainly evil ones out there. But there can be prayer requests, testimonies, services, small groups can be shared on social media. Volunteers and coworkers communicate through social media. I was just texting with someone in our, in our prayer group about an incredible guest speaker that I won't even say because then you'll all want to knock my doors down and come to our small group. That's going to tune in through Skype or Zoom and going to speak to our prayer group. What made that, what's going to make that possible is technology. Life updates and family pictures fill social media pages. Volunteers and coworkers can communicate through social media. I know what a lot of people ate for dinner in the last seven days because of social media. As we navigate this, we ask ourselves, will this post bring the attention that I want? Is this post going to offend someone? I know some of us, we say, well, I don't care. Well, let's, let's pause and say, should we care? Is the post going to impress someone? Will my story create the reactions I want? Will I be embarrassed if no one responds to my post? Is this even worth sharing? And as we aim to ponder these questions and navigate the technological world, let's remember the following points when it comes to our influence on social media, in social media. Number one, do not replace spiritual counselors with social media research. I know that sounds self-serving because I pastor, now I have to counsel, but even if it's not me, seek a different spiritual counselor, not just, hey, the majority on social media said this. Instead of scheduling a meeting with a youth pastor, young people might turn to the latest trends or influence on social media, although wholesome answers can be found. I, I would say that. There are many more immoral answers that can be found. You can start entire new religions based on information that you find on social media. And people do. If you have a theory on something, you can 
absolutely find someone somewhere who will back you up. I promise you. Come up with any theory you want. Someone out there on social media will go, that's deep, that's good. (laughs) I know we're trying to be kind, but sometimes I see when someone likes or comments on a post and the person posting knows better than what they're doing, saying, wearing, living, whatever. And some good child of God posts it, and I want to be like, we can be kind, but we don't have to celebrate this foolishness. But I just go, be kind. Because here's the thing. You can find someone that will back you up on anything at all. Don't make social media the linchpin of your moral decisions. Because I'm sitting here talking about technology, social media, and I don't want to just celebrate it. Go, go run free. Let your, get your kids on social media. We got to go reach the world. We still have to be wise. There still has to be, we got to make sure that we're prepared and emotionally and spiritually mature enough to handle it. Number two, remember the mute button. Social media, I thank God for some amazing features. There's three that I like. One's unfollow, one's unfriend, and one's block. (laughs) And they help keep me sane. They help keep me sane. Help keep my wife sane, too. She said, who's this person posting this stuff? And I said, I don't know who that person is. I mean, like... In the beginning, when the boutique just started, we were like, oh, we got a friend, 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 friend. And now we're just like, okay, we cannot take all the friends. We just, just buy from the boutique, but we're not going to be friends on Facebook, okay? I mean, that's just. But this person's like commenting all this stuff, tearing apart uh, what we believe, our organization, all this. And she tells me about it, and I'm just like, I'm, my blood's boiling just listening. And she's really mad. And she's like, well, you have to know them. They're from Wisconsin. I was like, you know. <laughs> I'm like, believe it or not, I don't know every human being in the state of Wisconsin. And I said, so why don't I just unfriend the person? Because neither of us know this person. She's talking foolish and just unfriend her. And um, we're happy. (laughs) And so there's wisdom. Jesus wasn't talking about social media. But the principle still absolutely can guide us when he says in Matthew 6, 23, when your eye is unhealthy... Your whole body's filled with darkness. I could, I, could, I could literally preach an hour just on this scripture. We have a discipleship class that talks about lines must be drawn, and we cover this in depth. Because it's, it's everything. Oh, yeah, you know, we, we, watch the, we watch the horror movies with the kids. It's just for fun. We enjoy horror movies. Horror movies are dark. You don't, horror movies are not made in the sunlight. People do dumb stuff at nighttime. In horror movies, okay? How in the world can you watch that and your whole body not be filled with darkness? Eh, I just slip and swear once in a while. I don't mean to. What are you watching? Swearing comes from somewhere. Nobody says, man, I was deep in the word today. Just came off a three-day fast. I was praying. My kids walked in and I accidentally cussed at them. That's coming from a well that's being fed somewhere. There's a source. 
And so we have to look and go, well, what's the source? And so he says, and if the light you think you have, oh man, is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. If the light you think you have, that's a little bit of a jab there. It's actually darkness. How deep is the darkness you're actually living in? If the first thing I do in the morning is... Go to Facebook to where you're like... You literally only get one first few moments of your day. And as much as I love you, I'm connected to a lot of you on Facebook. As much as I love you, I don't want you, in your words, to dictate the first few moments of my day. Because if you're struggling or having a bad day or a tough time or think that the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and I wake up, even if you say, well, I posted that yesterday, well, that might be the first thing I see this morning. And I don't want to wake up going, the world's going to hell. I don't even know why I try. Why am I even pastor? I'm I'm not even pastor. If the world's going to hell, I can't help it. I'd rather wake up and go, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to go down and see my beautiful children, my wife. I'm going to go have myself a a cup of uh, Cocoa Krispies with no milk in it. And I am going to read my Bible and start my day with Snap, Crackle, Pop. And so I see that sets the tone for an entire day. Don't feel obligated to follow or interact with things that people that steal your joy. If someone's stealing your joy, at some point somebody keeps coming to my house every morning at the same time and they start taking my bread, taking my milk, taking my kids. I'm not going to go. Man, I just get irritated every day at this time. He comes in and takes stuff from my house. At some point, I'm going to be like, hey, you know what? We should lock the door. Because I kind of prefer him not to take anything else from my house. So lock the door. He comes in every day at this time. If somebody's doing that on Facebook, what in the world? Well, I don't want to unfriend them. That'll be offensive. Then unfollow them. Facebook knew, hey, we want to be secret about some people we don't like. We want them to think we still like them. Imagine how that meeting went. Right, we got a planning meeting. Mark Zuckerberg walks in and be like, hey, so I'm connected to people that I want them to think I like them, but I don't really like them. We need a feature for that. I got one here. Let's come up with this. Next, be salt and light, even on social media. Matthew 5, 13 says, you are the salt of the earth. What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop. You cannot be hid. Wow. This is not about social media. Jesus was not saying, man, I got to address Facebook here. But boy, that seems like some good principles. Everything you post. Yeah, man. I mean, like you're hearing things right now, and even in the sporting world. Oh, this athlete. We were going to draft him, but he fell out of the top five because 11 years ago, 
he posted something on social media that was really derogatory. I'm not saying we should post anything on social media. That's derogatory, so I'm not defending the athletes. But I am saying, dear Lord, I'm thankful I did not have social media because on my bad days, my days where I was frustrated with people, I certainly would have posted things that today I would regret. And so it can't be hidden. You can't hide when you're going public with things, sharing videos, liking things, commenting on things, posting things. It will live forever. He says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine. The good things, we, we should let those shine for the world to see. So everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That's the purpose. The purpose of our existence is to point to the Heavenly Father. Everything points to God. So let every single post that we have have a personal reflection. If, if I post this, does it create unity or discord? Well, bless God, that's how I feel. I'm going to put it on there. What are you looking to accomplish? I just want to get it off my chest selfish is there going to be repercussions to it does it bring god glory or just stir up controversy can something good come out of the post feel free to post fresh made cinnamon rolls because good can come out of that because i can try to talk you into bringing me one i want to be an influencer i don't want to just be influenced on social media I don't want social media to dictate how I feel about myself or whether I have a good day. I refuse to give it that much power in my life. When you are a child of God, when you are called by him, every part of your life is spiritual. Well, that's not spiritual. I was just looking on Facebook. I just posted that for fun. Everything we do reflects Jesus Christ. even when elections come. When you're called by him, we're all spirit. We, we never want to carry ourselves one way online and then change when we with the person in the marketplace or the workplace to where we're like, man, you were different online. You're nicer online or you're not as nice online. I, I, I hope that we're consistent. I, I mean... Goodness, I'm not perfect, but I hope I'm the same person if you talk to me on Friday night as if I'm here preaching on Sunday. Voicing our opinion is not as important as maintaining godly character and pointing souls to Jesus. You're not clapping much tonight. That was a good, I was like, they're clapping. I'm going to get me water. While standing for truth, be careful not to condemn, shame, or push others away for Jesus. That's a delicate balance, because am I telling you, don't stand for truth. Let people say whatever they want. If they attack you online, just take it. I think that there's a time where we can say, well, I disagree with you on this, and be respectful. And I think that we can be wise, but we have to be careful that 
We're not condemning, shaming people that we're actually pushing them away from Jesus. A negative post might make a difficult day even worse for someone. While a positive post can turn negativity to hope. Our church vision is simple. Experience hope, offer hope. So I don't just offer hope when I pray with somebody at the altar. What if I offer hope on social media where billions and billions of people reside? That's where people are communicating. That's where people are developing thoughts. That's where, that's where they're sharing ideas, sharing their life. I hope we don't only offer hope one-on-one in, in-person services. Think about it. Social media and technology are always changing. The big things, I already referenced the library and stuff, but think about the, the big things that are no longer big. MySpace. I never did get that. When anybody have MySpace, I never got there. All right. Floppy disks. Walkmans. My Walkman was really nice when I was younger. It had like a bass wheel. You slide that you could actually control your own like treble and bass on that side. Palm Pilots. And pull up the little stylus, flip open the thing, hang on, I'll add that to my account. It's not color, it's very small, but. VCRs, if you ever. Went to Blockbuster, they had a sticker that said, be kind, rewind. <laughs> Why does my account have a $2.25 charge in it? Because you returned a movie that was not rewound. <laughs> Newspaper classifieds, you had to buy by the line. So you'd be like, all right, I don't want to just say 1986 Camaro. And I was old enough, I actually bought and sold a car from a newspaper article. Oh, I hate that I'm old. But, so you'd be like, you know, I'd start off and I'd be like, I want to say 1980, 1989 Camaro, five-speed, RS, well-maintained, blah, blah, blah. And, and then I'll put a picture in there, too. And you call the newspaper, you're like, hey, how much for this and this picture? And they're like, oh, $257. You're like, what? Um, let's just put 1989 Camaro, five-speed, 127,000 miles and call it a day. 127K, that, then it doesn't go to the next line. And so you had to like figure out how much you were going to pay and then people would just call your phone number and you didn't have a clue anything about the car. You'd just drive 45 minutes to go see someone and drive up and be like, oh, we don't even need to get out. No, no, no. <laughs> now, marketplace, you're like, hey, I got 12 pictures. Can you send me more? What's the information? Why are you selling it? Boom, we get all this information. And we know before we go, it's beautiful technology. <laughs> Printed maps in cars. We talked about that recently. Phone booths. You remember my, yeah. Remember, you know, phone booths. You have to get some change, drop in 25. And then you're like, it went up to 35 cents. You're like, come on, I got to carry an extra dime to make this dumb call? And so you'd go sneak off to a phone, or like me, you know, my parents didn't let me talk to girls when I was younger, so like when I'd go somewhere, I'd go to a phone booth and call her, you know, and I hope my mom doesn't re-listen to this. <laughs> Pam, don't say anything. I got my sister in trouble a few times for covering for me. She was a good sister. <laughs> I was well-behaved, she wasn't, but... Or it might have been opposite. I can't remember. Some of the things we're using now will be comical in a decade. It'll be comical. Already. 
already. Does anyone own a, a, a stick shift car? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, so we got a few. Th- I, don't, I mean, like, they rarely sell them anymore. It's, it's a lost art. Okay, my, my first car was a five-speed stick, stick shift. It, was, it, it is so much fun to drive stick shift. I finally was like, we have kids now. And they're like, hey, hand me that. I need that. I'm like, you know, I got to jump out of this world. I can't live here. But maybe sometime later in life, I'll jump back into that. But some of the things that we use now are comical. They're going to be comical. Social media and technology are ever-changing, but we can use this same tool of constant change to point to one who never changes. I know, I know. Some of us hate change. You like checked out on me when I started talking about social media. You're like, I'm just here because I'm supposed to be here on Wednesday nights. I hate this topic. How long until it's done? But we went to the same, we, we want the same computer on the same cell phone, drive the same car, and bless God, sing the same old songs in church. But even though God says, I am the Lord, I change not, he also later says, sing unto the Lord a new song. So God, his doctrine, and his plan do not change. But methods and tools absolutely change. And if we just say, bless God, this technology, social media, I'm going to preach against it. We ain't using this, blah, blah, blah. We can stand here and watch something that can be used for carnality, for sin, or that can be used to reach a world. And I think sometimes we got to say, you know what? What are people that are not godly Christians coming up with that we could utilize to further the gospel message without compromise? Because we don't compromise doctrine, theology, absolute holiness. That's, that does not change. No matter what changes in the digital world that influence technology and social media have, it's here to stay. And the church doesn't just need to be aware of it. We have to equip ourselves to reach those who are lost in its space. While social media should never replace relationships, we can use it to engage people around us. But just like going to a street corner with a megaphone and going, God's coming back. You're going to hell. Repent today. You think that's a joke? Like there was, there was literally a guy in downtown Milwaukee that had a big station wagon with a megaphone and it was painted all these scriptures all over it, all about hell and brimstone and fire and all this stuff. And he just drove through the streets of Milwaukee and would go places and be like, who you're going to hell, repent today, blah, blah. And it wasn't really effective. I didn't, I didn't see a lot of people like coming up to him and repenting and coming uh, a little bit of a different guy. That's not a real effective way, but like that, going on Facebook to proclaim how everyone's wrong, it's probably not the best way to develop productive conversations. And you know what? They might be wrong. People post a lot of foolishness on Facebook. I would have to be a full-time employee of this church just to respond to all the foolishness I see on Facebook. Okay? But, and I probably post some of it myself, but we have to go, all right, I don't want to just tell everybody how wrong they are on social media. There's a word of advice from T.F. Tenney, the late T.F. Tenney, great T.F. Tenney. He said, be more vocal for what you are for than what you're against. What you're against might change, and then you feel real foolish. But if you always just preach and live what you're for, 
can get us places better than here's all the things I'm against. Think about it. I'm not going to be much longer. People in our world are fighting battles. People in this room are fighting battles right now. They're going through things. And we believe Jesus is the answer, and so we want people to experience Jesus. Because he's the answer. No matter what you're going through, he can help you. But we have to start. We believe Jesus is the answer, but we have to start with compassion. Like I talked about on Sunday. If I tell someone something that they need and they don't feel love for me, I could be correct in what I'm telling them, but they're not going to receive it. But if someone will feel love, maybe that will open the door for me to have a more crucial conversation with them. Think about Jesus and his example. Jesus was sensitive to Simon Peter's frustration after coming up empty after a long night of fishing. Kind of a, we don't, you know, we kind of move toward like, yeah, they got the fish. It was incredible, a miracle. But it started with a savior that was like really compassionate to the fact that, hey, I just fished all night. And when you hear Peter talk, you could actually sense his frustration even toward Jesus. Hey, we fished all, we've done it. It's not a good time right now. But Jesus didn't say, hey, don't, don't talk to me like that. He knew, hey, he's frustrated. He was sensitive to the shame felt by a Samaritan woman at a well. He was sensitive to the humiliation Zacchaeus felt and brought him into relationship and changed his life. When we simply pay attention to the needs and the struggles of those around us, social media is a great place to let us in as to what people are going through. God, just show me, help me to reach people in my world. I just wish I knew what they were struggling with. Most of them wouldn't tell you in person, but they're posting it all over social media. So you can look. Sometimes you read between the lines when somebody's posting about this and I hate this, blah, blah. You can sense the pain and where something came from and Somebody says, I hate Father's Day. Every year it just breaks my heart. Well, wow. I noticed you said you hate Father's Day. Is there there something that happened with your dad that caused that? No, but he died a few years back. And all of a sudden you can start to get to the bottom of where people are living, what they're going through. Instead of just, what? That's, that's ridiculous. Blah, blah, blah. We do lots of fun stuff. Like, we just chime in with why we think they're wrong. And we can stop and go, wow. Maybe, maybe a God moment can come through this social media post. Jesus spoke fishing lingo to fishermen and farming lingo to farmers and scriptures to religious leaders because he knew I'm trying to reach a world. It's not about me and my thoughts and my opinion. I, I, I just am trying to connect with whoever I'm talking to at that time because to me, my opinion's not the most important thing right now. My word's important, but right now, I can't even share my word until I get to where they are and connect with them. Today, we have global reach to be able to connect with a broken world that desperately needs Jesus doesn't mean that I just post scriptures every day on a Facebook page. 
you want to do that? Cool. But reach to people. Connect with them. Meaningful engagement on social media is more than just likes and shares. It's more than our ego. Man, I shared a picture. How many people? Oh, ooh, I'm up to a couple hundred. This is cool. Yeah, it is nice because it's a real life connection. We want people to connect with us, love us, like our posts. It's, 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 it's a proven fact. But what do we have at our fingertips that could be used for eternal purposes? As I closed this past weekend at Men's Conference, many of you were there. Brother Harold Hoffman, the evening speaker, shared a story of a girl who was raped at knife point. And she got an abortion before coming to church. Eventually, she made her way to a Pentecostal church and she was baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost. God touched her. And she came to the Hoffman one day and said, I have this vision for, it's, it was an acronym, heart and healing, and it stood for things about abortion. Ladies that have had abortions. And she said, do you think I could start something like this at our church? And he said, yeah. And uh, so she came up with this syllabus. Well, in the meantime, there was a, a, a group of people that had started an Arabic worship night. And so people were coming in there and and uh, he was saying how neat it is. He said that you don't know a lot of Pentecostal churches who have Muhammad at their front door, but that's what they had reached. A bunch of Arab people that were now worshiping in this Pentecostal church and having their own time of worship in their language. And, and a lady walks up to this other lady that started this heart curriculum. And she said, I was in prayer. She was coming to this Arabic worship night. And she said, God spoke to me that you have something that needs to be translated. The lady was like, yeah, I have this curriculum that I think would be pretty neat. So she translated this heart syllabus and there was a lady coming to this Arabic worship that is huge in Egypt. She's got like 11 million followers in Egypt. So they translate this, and this lady loves this curriculum and takes it and puts it on her page and starts to share it to 11 million followers. It's now been shared in multiple countries. It's on four continents. All as a result of a lady that had a broken heart because of something that she did, who found a Pentecostal church, who stepped out with something. God connected her to another person who was doing something in Arabic worship, who connected to a woman with her to come there that had 11 million followers. And the way that God moves when he, when he puts something on your heart, oh, I don't know, I'll never do that. I don't know, I, I can't see anything coming of that. There's a reason why God is putting something on your heart. I love our Sunday school teachers. I love our Bible study teachers. I love that, but we don't, we're not limited to just go into someone's home and teach a Bible study go downstairs and teach a Sunday school class. Like, it's beyond that. Those are great things, desperately needed things. But we're at the point now where with what we have in our fingertips, we can go, God's laying this on my heart. I have no clue what's going to happen. But you know what? I think it could get to multiple countries. It could get to four continents. We could get it to millions and millions of people. But we need someone with a vision, with a passion to reach the world. The, message, the methods are changing, but our mission is not. We're still called to reach the whole world with the whole gospel by the whole church. 
And now we can move beyond just even supporting a global missionary monthly with finances. We have, we, that, well, that was the only time we could ever be a part of the harvest. No, you can be a part of the harvest in other ways now. How many of you have family members that live in another state or even another country? Look around. Keep your hand up. How many of you right now have family members in another state, another country, and they are currently not serving God? Look around. The days of just, Lord, please send someone to my family are now, Lord, please open the door for me to connect with my family. We have tools. The Great Commission's now being, it's being fulfilled in various outlets. We have podcasts, live stream, FaceTime, uh, promotion, and just sharing links, but there are more things out there. As you stand to your feet, I challenge you, use technology. Get creative. Go reach the whole world. Dream big. Our reach is not limited to four walls in Liberty, Missouri. There are millions and millions of people out there. Chances are some of you are connected to 100, 500, 1,000, 1,500, 2,500. There's some of you that are connected to hundreds or thousands of people on Facebook. Well, I don't know what to do. Begin to pray, God, what can I do? Begin to be intentional about what you post, about messages, inbox messages. Hey, I saw this. I saw your post and it seemed like you were struggling. This is a message I heard that really helped me if you want to take a look. I mean, whatever it is, some of, somebody already came up to me and said, I have some family that wasn't serving God and I sent them the link to all of your Bible studies and they've been watching it. This is it. Well, yeah, but they're probably not, not going to come to church here because they don't live here. Our goal is not just to, our goal is to make disciples, to sow seed. And I am a firm believer in the law of sowing and reaping. You can go ahead and sow seed in some other state or country. God's going to bless it here. I ain't worried about that. And so let's find a place to pray. Let's find a place to where we can go, God, give me some ideas, Lord. Impress them things on me. God, open some doors for me. God, help me to be intentional. Help me to be anointed even on social media. Help me to use technology, God. Let's find a place where we can begin to say, God, what, what is possible with this realm of technology and, and cell phones and social media and all this? What could be done? God, help me to think outside the box. As I said last week, go home and have a conversation with your kids. Maybe they'll have ideas about ways you could reach a world. Dream big.